Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 789. You have to keep your passion in check at times if you want to make a living in this arena, and you have to always treat it like a business. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Richard Prince. Hey, Richard, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm strapped in and ready to roar. All right, with camera in hand. Richard Prince is an automotive photographer, a journalist, and author who's been shooting since 1991. Involved in the car hobby since his childhood, he founded a vintage car restoration business after completing graduate school in 1988 and operated that business until he sold it in 1995. He began writing and providing photography to various car magazines and accumulated a wide range of experience photographing vehicles, motorsports events, facilities, and people for many of the world's major automobile manufacturers and a diverse array of other companies including Aston Martin, Audi, Bentley, Cadillac, Ferrari, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, and many, many others. He's published three books and authored and illustrated approximately 2,000 magazine articles. No doubt you've seen his photography in dozens of books and over 400 publications in more than 80 countries worldwide. Richard is a busy guy. So Richard, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career, and of course, an obvious passion you have for automobiles. Well, like most people my age, uh, the, the passion began in earliest childhood. I grew up in a car culture. Of course, uh, back then we didn't have 400 channels of cable TV and the internet to distract us. So <laughs> yes, getting into the teen years, it was all about cars and counting down the days until I got my driver's license. So uh, that's really where the passion began. And oddly enough, I never intended to make a career centered around the automobile or the automotive industry. Uh, it it just worked out that way. And I'm, uh, of course, these many years later, I'm pretty grateful that it did. It's It's been a fun ride, and it's not even close to being finished yet. Oh, there you go. I love this. We're going to learn a lot more about you and about your photography and all the things that you do. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This has been something that has been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning or the shutter clicking in your case here on Cars, yeah? So, Richard, take the wheel. Well, uh, an odd thing about uh, the kind of work that I do is most of the people who get into it and try to make a living, either writing or doing photography in the auto industry, are driven first and foremost by their passion, passion for cars and sometimes passion for photography as well. Uh, I do quite a lot of work in the racing arena, and that's another place where passion drives people to do what they do. They love racing, they love the speed, they love the excitement, and something that I often say to other people trying to get into this, and I remind myself of quite frequently, is you have to keep your passion in check at times if you want to make a living in this arena, and you have to always treat it like a business, and that has served me well. You know, this is a great point because so many people get involved in a career because they are passionate about it, but they forget it's a business. 
and there's things that have to happen in a business. And some of those things aren't as fun as the fun part of what you're doing. So how have you made that work for you that might lend somebody out there who wants to jump into a career path around their passion? How have you kept that business side so well focused? Because you've really diversified a lot of what you're doing. You, you're a photographer, an author, a journalist. I mean, you've got your hands moving a lot of different directions. So what little bit of advice could you offer that listener out there? Well, like in any small business, and that's really what it is, uh, it's really helpful to establish goals in the beginning and then stay focused on those goals and to not let your passion cloud your judgment. Uh, and I certainly would uh, never advise anybody to put their passion aside because if you don't have fun doing what you do, then uh, you're wasting your time. Mm. One of the really beautiful things about working in the auto industry, if you love the auto industry, is that work never feels like work. So uh, continue to enjoy it, continue to love it, but never lose sight of your goals and don't let your love for the undertaking cloud your judgment. It's that simple. One good example of that is sometimes, as in any service business, sometimes the appropriate response is, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. (laughs) And people who are in this line of work or, again, in any kind of service business, often have a great deal of difficulty saying no. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that leads to bad results. People end up working for free. They end up so close to the edge that they can't pay their bills. Uh, they can't invest in their future. And ultimately, they can't service the clients properly. And, and that helps nobody. Excellent, excellent business advice there. So heed, heed those words of wisdom out there for you passionate people that want to get involved in uh, the automotive field, whatever respect that might be. Let's go back in time a little bit. You talked about uh, being a passionate car guy back when you were a kid. So tell us a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back when you realize that you were indeed a car guy? Well, as is often the case, it was more evolutionary than revolutionary. Um, My father was and remains an automotive mechanic, a professional mechanic. So the working on the cars and the interesting cars were always part of the household and part of our lives. My uh, grandfather as well worked in the car industry on and off. And uh, so it was sort of coming at me from all ends. But if I if I had to cite one specific thing uh, that really stands out from childhood, I would point to Hot Rod Magazine, a particular issue. And I don't remember the issue, but I, re- I remember what I saw in that issue. Uh, I have an older sister and she bought the magazine one day and I dug in and there was a 1967 Corvette convertible in that. And I looked at that car and I was in love. (laughs) Uh, All I wanted to do was get a job so I could start saving some money so that one day I could buy a car like that. And I was uh, too young to get a job at that time, even a paper route. I was just a little, a little tyke, but that image stuck in my mind And when I was old enough to get a paper route, the day I could, I did, and um, was really driven by the vision of that car. Uh, One other thing that also um, really fostered my love for interesting cars was uh, I had some relatives with some really cool cars. Um, I remember, this is one of my earliest childhood memories, I have an uncle who had a 67 E-type convertible, Jag oh, E-type nice. convertible. Yeah. And, you know, when you're 
four years old, that was that might as well have come from out of space. Yeah. And uh, I was fascinated by the shape. It had wire wheels. It had a bunch of toggle switches on the dash that were unlike the cars that my parents were driving and my grandparents were driving. It was just out there. And I was in love with that car as well. Yeah. Who couldn't be in love with an E-Type, especially back in those days? Because, boy, was that different. But your story reminds me of uh, when I was growing up, there was a guy up the street, a bachelor, the only bachelor living on our street. They were all families. And he had a 58 Porsche Speedster. And it was a Carrera, too. And I remember him driving that thing down the street. And I was a kid. And I went, I got to figure out how to get one of those. And I did the same thing. I immediately got a paper route. I did that route for five years, getting up at four in the morning, seven days a week, jumping on my Schwinn Stingray and riding around and tossing those papers. And uh, I'm sad to say I never got that uh, Porsche Speedster. And now, of course, they're far too expensive. Yeah, it's funny what will motivate us to get out of bed early in the morning to achieve our dreams. So very cool. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. You've been an entrepreneur your whole life. So you know what that's like ups and downs, roller coasters, successes and failures. So take us to a huge challenge or a big failure that you face and kind of walk us through that. But more importantly, tell us how that helped you move forward and gain some more momentum in your business. Well, I have to say that I'm blessed in that I've not yet suffered a huge failure. And for that, I'm grateful. Uh, there's no magic. It's the roll of the dice to a large extent. And um, so I can't point to a huge failure. Uh, as far as the challenge goes, that brings to mind my work in, in the racing world. I got involved photographing racing in 1997, and that was an outgrowth of an existing relationship that I had with Chevrolet with some people at Chevrolet. They uh, launched a Corvette road race program that began racing in 1999 at Daytona in 99, but in 97, they had a mule car that was up and running and testing, and I was uh, able to have access to that car and that program at the very beginning, and um, I followed it and followed the team to various tests in order to create an archive right from the very beginning with the intention of writing a book when that program was done. And that program was approved and funded to race for three years and three years only. So they, they began at the Rolex 24 at Daytona in uh, January of 99. And 2001 was supposed to be the final season for that program. And everybody expected it to end at the conclusion of the 2001 season. Mm -hmm. and And that's often the nature of factory race programs. They have a beginning and they have an end and the company moves on and spends their marketing dollars elsewhere. So that was the beginning of my involvement with racing. And by the middle of that, by 2000-ish, I was in love with it. It was great. It was so different from anything that I had done and it presented all sorts of new challenges technologically and logistically and from a business perspective. And I just loved being there. And looking ahead, I saw that the uh, program that brought me there, namely this Corvette Road Race program, was going to end in a year or a year and a half down the road. And I decided then and there, I need to develop other work in the racing arena so that I can stay here after this program is gone and, and this source of income is gone. And that was... Easier said than done. It was a huge challenge because there were so many people who were already there, who had more experience, who were better than I was, who were desperate for work themselves. 
there are always more people looking for quality work, decent paying work, satisfying work than there is work to be had. So that was that was a huge challenge. And um, it took me a little bit of time to figure it out and to get past it. Uh, but ultimately, I did. And remarkably, that Corvette Road Race program, which was supposed to end in 2001, got renewed another year and then another year and then another <laughs> year. And yeah. <laughs> here we are. Many years later, it's uh, 2017, and it's still going, and perhaps stronger than ever, it's a sort of an institution now, and it's likely to not go away in my lifetime. So uh, it turns out I, I didn't need to develop a plan for staying in racing after the Corvette program went away, because it never went away. Well, my takeaway from this story is always be looking down the road. Great metaphor since we're talking about racing. Always be looking way down the track at what will happen later, not so much today with your business, because you've always got to be looking for that change or that curve in the road that's going to be coming. Very cool that the program stayed so long. Obviously, it's worked very well for them because it seems like it's been around forever. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. You have a very diverse career path. You're not just a photographer. You're doing other things. So. Tell us about your career aha moment. Well, I'd never intended to make a career out of photography or writing. Uh, it happened by accident. Uh, we had a restoration business that kept us quite busy. My wife and I started that together and ran it together, and it was busy all the time. We had normally between 10 and 12 employees at all times, and that alone, you know, managing a staff and running a business is more than a full-time job. Anybody who does that out in the audience will understand what I'm talking about. Yes. So I wasn't thinking about another career and wasn't looking down the road beyond running that business that we were in the midst of and ended up by complete circumstance, by a, a string of coincidences, on the phone with uh, an editor named Randy Riggs, D. Randy Riggs. He was then the editor of Vet Magazine. He's now the editor of Vintage Motorsport magazine, but uh, he was editing Vet magazine, and uh, my wife had written a letter to the editor, actually, and that's what led to the call and uh, a conversation in which she asked if uh, I might be interested in writing a column for the magazine. And without giving it more than three seconds thought, I said, "Yeah, okay, I'll try that." And as long as you can promise me one thing, and he said, "What's that?" And I said, "Well, if." I don't want to continue doing it, or if you don't like what I send you, we can part friends, and then nobody's upset. And he said, oh, absolutely. So that's how I really got started. I started writing that column in 1991, and it was a great diversion. It was enjoyable. It was you know, way different from the day-to-day -day activities that I was involved with, and I really enjoyed it, and they really liked what I was sending them, and a couple of months later, a check arrived in the mail, and oddly enough, and this seems unbelievable looking back, but in that initial conversation, which I don't think lasted two minutes, I never asked about getting paid. He never mentioned it. It never even occurred to me. I didn't even go through a, a thought process and say, well, maybe this is being offered to me as a way to promote my business, and mm -hmm. that'll be my compensation. There was just no thought whatsoever given to it, and then there's a check, and I said, wow this is fun. I'm really enjoying these columns. And I had complete freedom to write about anything I wanted. 
Wow. As long as it related to the old car hobby. Yeah. So that was a little bit of an aha moment. Very nice. Yeah, Randy was a very early guest of mine here on Cars Yeah. He was guest number 71 back in September of 2014. Great guy. I've been a longtime subscriber to his publication. I'm kind of old school still. I have tons of well, about 40 car magazine subscriptions as I see the pile of magazines sitting on my desk here. So, uh <laughs> Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you? Oh, gosh. I, I don't think I can cite a single specific moment. There have been a lot of occasions where I was proud of where I'd gotten to, proud of what I had achieved. But I, I guess in answer to that question, I would say this. One of the most satisfying things about the work that I do is that in almost all instances, it makes people smile. It brings happiness to them. Every car person, every car gal, every car guy loves to talk about their car and adores seeing their car uh, in a magazine, in print, in a book, on a calendar, in a brochure. So I really take pride in, in derive a lot of enjoyment from the fact that the work that I do brings happiness to almost everybody I come in contact with. <laughs> I won't say everybody, but almost everybody. So that, that makes me proud. Absolutely. Well, let's go back in time again and talk about your first really special car, the first car that you got that really had meaning to you. And maybe you could share a memory you have about that vehicle. Ooh, well, <laughs> of course, my first, first car was special just because it was a set of wheels and it represented freedom and all the, the joy that comes with owning and, and driving a car. But my first special car was a 1964 Corvette. Ah, so you finally got that Corvette. <laughs> I did. Um, it was advertised in a local newspaper. I bought it in Staten Island, New York. And it was a pretty hideous car, but I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I didn't have a lot of money, I think. Oh, boy. I'm going to say it was a little under $4,000, maybe $3,800 or $3,500, I don't recall. Mm -hmm. And it was a coupe, and it had air conditioning, and, and that was a miracle. It <laughs> yeah. was you know, a little undervalued at the time, and, and I could afford it. It needed work, and I went and bought that car, and... There was a steep learning curve. I learned a great deal about Corvettes in particular and old cars in general. But it you know, was tremendously fun. Yeah. And I don't even know if I had turned 17 yet. I was 16 years old or 17 years old. And it was a, a, a running, driving car. Um, I took it to high school, and it was awesome. It was loud <laughs> as hell. It had a stock body, factory side pipes, which were not an option in 64, but somebody had added them. and. Mm -hmm old school Mickey Thompson mags and the thing was just loud and obnoxious and more fun than I deserve to have. Perfect for a 16 or 17 year old for sure. Well, how about that old uh, tear in the eye seller's remorse story? Is there a car you've let go that you wish you had back? There isn't. There should be. <laughs> uh, I've owned some remarkable cars when we were in the restoration business, one of the things we did was buy and sell some cars. So a lot of cars passed through my hands, and some of them we'd keep for a little while, some of them we wouldn't. But beyond the, the business side of it, we, my wife and I have been car collectors 
for a long, long time, uh, oh boy, approaching almost 40 years, and we've had some remarkably special cars along the way that we sold, and a normal person would look back and say, man, I wish I didn't sell that, but I try not to look back. I try to look forward and uh, try to live without regrets. There you go. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are you working on right now that has you really excited and fired up? <laughs> well, today I'm working on a story for Hot Rod Magazine about a 74 Pantera, a twin-turbo Pantera. That's a really, really cool car with a great story. So my goal is to wrap up that for today, and then I have some more writing to do the rest of this week, and then Saturday I leave for the 24 hours of Le Mans, France. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> nice. That requires a great deal of planning and, and yeah. forethought. I do a special team photo there every year, and just the logistics of the travel and moving equipment around right. and, and stuff like that. So this time of year, June, July, August, uh, into September, I'm super busy with racing in particular. That mm -hmm. really just occupies all of my time. Uh, no kidding. Going to Lamar, how fun is that? Very cool. And regular listener here, Chris, is smiling right now. Chris Kimball, he's also a kind sponsor here at Cars. Yeah, he's a Pantera fan, has a Pantera. He listens every day, and I'm sure he's got a big smile on his face hearing you talk about a Pantera, especially turbocharged. Richard, here's a very introspective question. Talk about interesting. If Richard was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? <laughs> I should say something really sexy, like a <laughs> 275 GTB or you know something exotic, but that's really not me. I hate to say it, but I'm, if I was a car, I'd probably be a minivan because uh, I'm not all that pretty, but I'm really functional. There you go. Well, <laughs> Really utilitarian. Gets the job done. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you put some honest thought to that one. Yeah, we'd all love to be a sexy, sleek Ferrari, but uh, uh, like you, I am not one of those either. Well, Richard, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. 
Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Richard, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. You've been around enough races to know what that means. The white flag's out, and it's time to put our foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, as far as my career goes, I would have to go back to Randy Riggs, D. Randy Riggs. Uh, he really held my hand when I began to do photography. I started off writing. I transitioned into doing some of my own photography, and he gave me a, a whole string of uh, excellent advice about automotive photography, simple things like be aware of your surroundings, be aware of what's behind the tree, and uh, I'm sorry, behind the car. So, for example, if there's a tree growing behind the car and it looks like it's growing out of the roof of the car, be aware of that. So that that I would say the the best advice I got was, as far as my career goes, was auto, was photography specific, and it came from Randy Riggs. Very good advice. Again, D. Randy Riggs, great great guy. How about a personal habit that you believe has helped contribute to your success? Oh well, I have an ability to say, uh, stay extremely focused on the goal, or, uh, on the prize at the end of the road, um, and staying focused is a is a tremendously positive attribute in any endeavor in life and in business. I, another, I'll give you one more. You asked me for one. I'll give you one more. Um, the ability to go for long periods of time with little or no sleep is a huge asset as well. Especially at the 24-hour Le Mans. Yeah, I won't sleep there. This will be my 37th 24-hour race. What? And I've not slept yet. Oh, my gosh, that is incredible. Well, I've done 19 24 hours of Daytona, and this will be my 18th 24 hours of Le Mans. No time for sleep. Sleep when it's over. Yeah, absolutely. And I love your pun as a photographer, staying focused is important. Ah, so. <laughs> yes. Very nice. Now, about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there, but is there one in particular you'd like to share? Uh, sure. Yeah, there's no end to the... Uh, number of good resources out there. One that I would like to share is, is a website called sportscar365.com that is owned and operated by a young lad named John DeGeese, and he is a tireless worker and one of the very, very few people doing real reporting and real stories, really crafting stories and digging a little bit in the, the sports car racing scene around the world. Um, he works endlessly, travels endlessly, and if you want good information and good insight, sportscar365.com. That young man, he is a busy guy. He was actually my 183rd guest here on Cars, yeah, back in uh, February 2015. Yeah, he is uh, he's a workhorse, that's for sure. Nice to do a shout-out to him. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? I think I'd share that drink with a man named Harley Earl. Ah, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was such a towering figure and, and such an 
an innovator in uh, the automotive industry, and particularly, as I'm sure you know, in, in the area of automotive design. And unfortunately, he uh, left us before uh, I came of age and was in a position to speak with him, but I'd love to have a chat with him. Yeah, Peter Brock's a friend of mine. He's been a guest on this show, and he talked about when he was very young and first hired at GM, working with Harley Earl and the influences that he had and, and what an interesting character that he was. How about a book? Is there a book you've read other than your books? And I'd love for you to mention those two books, but maybe a third book you could mention here that our listeners should crack <laughs> open and read. No, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do a shameless plug for my own books. Uh, automotive books, I would say anything that Dave Friedman has written or produced. Um, and he's got a long list. People most closely associate him with, of course, the Shelby Cobras and with Ford in particular, but he's produced books on a wide variety of cars, uh, McLaren, Chaparral's, Lola's, uh, the Trans Am series, of course, the Corvette Grand Sport. And he is a walking encyclopedia, an incredible memory. He's funny, and you can't go wrong with any of the books he's produced. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll have to get him on this show for sure. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources Richard has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com slash Richard Prince. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. Richard, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, but you got to drive it, you got to enjoy it, but I'm going to buy it, so don't worry about the cost, what would that car be and why? Believe it or not, if I had to pick one and only one and it was independent of value, I would pick a 1907 Thomas Flyer. <laughs> oh <laughs> but my not gosh. any 1907 Thomas Flyer. I'd go for the 1907 Thomas Flyer Model 35 that won the New York to Paris race back in, I think it was 1908. Wow. And <laughs> why? Why? Yeah. A couple of reasons. I read an account of that race written by George Schuster, who was the riding mechanic, and um, the only person who actually was with the car for its entire journey. So there was a primary driver, but he that driver was not there for the entire journey. The, the whole adventure lasted 169 days. And uh, George Schuster wrote a book about it, and I read it as a child, and I was mesmerized, just fascinated by it. So that's one reason why. The provenance of that car is not in question, and that's not the case with a lot of old cars, particularly old race cars. The Flyer was owned for many years by a man here on Long Island named Henry Austin Clark Jr., and from uh, Henry Austin Clark, it went to Bill Harra, and it was part of the Harra collection and still remains there in the museum that came out of the Harra collection after William Harra died. So the provenance, the unquestioned provenance, is another reason. And the third reason I would pick that car stems from some advice that Phil Hill gave to me a long, long time ago. I asked him, I, I went to graduate school in Los Angeles and used to stop in at Hill and Vaughn on occasion, which is a restoration shop that he was a partner in, and asked him what was his favorite car to drive at that time. And this was in the, the mid-late 80s. And uh, he had a brass era car. I think it was made in 1912, if I recall correctly. And he said that was the most fun to drive. And I was shocked because Formula One world champion, Sebring winner, Lamar winner, an, an absolutely amazing career and such a wide variety of incredible cars. The last thing in the world that I expected was that he would say a 1912, a Packard. And 
I was anxious to hear why, and, and he gave me a perfectly logical explanation. He said, for me, it's all about the driving experience, and I can drive that car at the absolute ragged edge, at its absolute limit, and still be 30 miles away from the speed limit on any road in America. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's best to drive a slow car fast versus the other way around. Wow, you picked a very unique car. I remember seeing that car roll onto the lawn at Pebble Beach years ago. It's been at Amelia Island. It's been everywhere, it seems like. So, wow, the first one to pick that car, that's a very, very <laughs> unique car for sure. Well, I'm not surprised knowing you, Richard, and you've taken us on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for being my guest here on Cars Yeah. Could you offer our audience here, our listeners, one parting piece of guidance or wisdom before you Head off into the sunset in the 1907 Thomas Flyer Model 35. Well, I can offer some parting wisdom with regard to car photography. My advice to anybody interested in doing it is to, in your mind, put yourself into that camera that you're holding. Be the camera and see the world the way the camera sees the world. The perfect way to illustrate the point I'm trying to make is you take a gorgeous car, place it in front of you, and you take a gorgeous girl, and you put a bikini on her, and you place her in front of that car, and then you take some really nasty-looking garbage cans, and you put those next to the car as well. The average guy out there sees one thing, the girl in the bikini. And after he's done studying that, he sees the car. And after he's done looking at the car, he goes back to the girl in the bikini. He never sees the garbage can. The camera doesn't care. It sees everything equally. It sees the girl, it sees the car, and it sees the garbage can. If you want to produce beautiful automotive photographs, a good starting point is to see the world the way the camera sees it and get the garbage cans out of your picture. <laughs> Very unique suggestion there. I like that. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and learn more about what you're doing? Well, uh, of course, my website, which is rprincephoto.com, www.rprincephoto.com. I'm semi-active on Facebook, Richard Prince there. And uh, of course, through some of my steady clients, you can follow what I'm doing. If you follow uh, Corvette Racing or Cadillac Racing, then uh, you're following me, in a sense, because I produce all of their photography. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything Richard has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Richard Prince into the search bar, and his page will pop right up with links to everything we've talked about today. Richard, thanks for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Carsyad listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Uh, thank you, Mark, and thank you for what you do. Uh, your, uh, your site and, and your interviews are endlessly fascinating and provide a great service to car lovers everywhere. So I, I thank you. Well, you're welcome, and I appreciate you adding to that quality very much. <laughs> Take care. Have fun at Lamar. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. 
They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!